Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 13, listener-supported. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight are Matt. Hey, what's up, everybody? And Tom. Hey, what's up, guys? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. So before we start, guys, I want to give a shout out to my main man, Kyrie. I know he's changed teams here recently, and uh, I hope it works out for him. Uh, pretty much anything that hurts LeBron in the short term, I'm all for. Yep, we are three LeBron haters, for sure. So, a little, little off topic, but so t- tonight, kind of excited, we're going to go through some uh, listener emails that we've received. We've, we've got a lot of questions that have been coming in, and so we're going to try to answer those tonight. Uh, but before we do that, as always, we're going to start with the news. Tom, what news do we have in the Disney sphere this week? I like that, the Disney sphere. Um, not a uh, not a huge news week, uh, but some uh, some pretty cool things, if you ask me. We'll start in Hollywood Studios, and this is probably my favorite piece of news. Uh, there is now a Fantasmic dessert package that's been announced. It'll begin on September 8th, in uh, 2017. And guests visiting Hollywood Studios will have an additional option uh, for reserved seating at Fantasmic. So essentially how this would work uh, is it would be a dessert and VIP viewing package. Uh, So it would allow you to to add this on to your experience in Hollywood Studios. It will give you reserved seating and then a few treats to enjoy throughout the show. Uh, The treats uh, would include chocolate-dipped strawberries, cheese and crackers, and then a make-your-own worms and dirt pudding. Uh, It was my favorite as a kid. Dirt (laughs) dirt cake's awesome. Uh, and then each guest will also re- receive a light-up cup uh, with a specialty drink, and it can be an alcoholic beverage if you're 21 and older, uh, and along with a bottle of water. Uh, so now, again, now, you have the what is this? What is the cost of this? Because the, I'm really excited already. The cost is $39 per adult, and then $19 per child. And again, Disney's children age is three to nine. And and remember, you're gonna choose one of the treats that you can eat, a specialty drink, and a bottle of water. So this is a lot cheaper than the Fantasmic Dine pack. And that's where I was going with it, too. I don't know if it's, it's going to be much close. cheaper. It's going to be close, like Tom just said. But I think I mean, one of the things that I mentioned on the past podcast is we would schedule where we were going to eat based on having the reserved seating. This is kind of eliminating that. And you still get the dessert and you get, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in this package. So I think that it eliminates the need for, for that. What are you going to say, Pete? So... You know, this to me is a hundred times better than Hollywood and Vine. Mama Melrose, I'm okay with. You know, the food there is pretty decent. But if you're stuck with Hollywood and Vine or this dessert package, I'm going with the dessert package every time. And basically you're doing this to get the reserve seating, right? When you say like eat that place, yeah. Well, it's going to free up a couple things. Folks aren't going to have to use their fast pass if if they want to take this route. They can't get a dinner reservation at Mama Melrose's, which is incredibly difficult to do. Uh, another easy route to get the reserved seating. Me personally, we have a lunch scheduled on my trip in December. I'm going to push my group to drop the lunch and let me grab us uh, to drop the Fantasmic package lunch. We'll still go to Mama Melrose's for dinner, but it's tough to get that Fantasmic package for dinner uh, because I, I like dirt cake and uh, you know an alcoholic specialty drink with a light up cup. Who doesn't want that? Well, and I don't know if you've ever waited in line for a beer at Fantasmic, but. It's a it's a it's a long line. Yeah, and especially if you're trying to, to kind of touch on that, Pete. But I'm also gonna you know scatter us out some. Like even like just waiting like to get a good seat at Fantasmic, you might have to get in there 30 to 40 minutes early mm-hmm. to get a seat that you really want. So having the reserved seating and 40 bucks, I mean that's I'll pay that 40 bucks every time. If it means I can spend some more time in the park, maybe bounce back and forth between Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror. For a little bit, because sometimes those lines do die down right before the show starts. And, and I'll tell you, um, both of my last two trips to Disney World, we have had reserve seating and pushed it literally to the last possible minute. They'll let you walk in and still got. Oh yeah, seat. we we went and rode what Toy Story Midway Mania, yep. literally 15 minutes before Fantasmic started, and and still were able to get in and, and get a decent seat with our reserved seating. And we actually got a better seat in my opinion, because we were up a little bit higher 
so your exit was quicker too because uh, you're not on the first row. And and you don't run the risk of getting wet. Correct. In that case. <laughs> That's true. First so eight I'm rows he- or something like that to get wet. Yeah, so I'm huge on this. I think this is a lot better deal than trying to do the, the Fantasmic Dining Package. Which, if you again, if you can get Mama Melrose's, I'm okay with. For dinner, though. Mama Melrose, it's a heavy lunch. It's a very heavy lunch. Um, staying in Hollywood, again, that's my favorite piece of news, but staying in Hollywood Studios, uh, Muppet Courtyard is officially going to be replaced by the Grand Avenue. Uh, it was announced earlier last week that the Muppet Courtyard, along with a portion of the former Streets of America, will be reimagined uh, by the Walt Disney Imagineering team, and it will now be, as we've stated, uh, Grand Avenue. And it looks like Disney's plan for Grand Avenue will extend beyond this small area of the park and encompass the entirety of Muppet Courtyard as well. So just looking back at our last last episode, guys, clearly things in Disney are changing all the time, and Muppet's one of the things that I'm, I'd love to see stay, but it looks like it might be on the way out. And this is something that I had pegged as not going any, anywhere for a while. The Muppets have been there for forever. You know, Pizza Rizzo just became a thing. So this was something I didn't think was going to go anywhere, but, you know, maybe it kind of leaves the future of Muppet Vision 3D in doubt at this point. I would think so. Um, that it's, it's just bizarre because, as like you just said, Pizza Rizzo is, is there and they rethemed it. And, and it was a probably a cheap overhaul, but it's very bizarre. And quick, and quick too. That's the thing. It's it's quick, right off the cuff of what you're what you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving right along, uh, this is a cool update as well. We're gonna look into the My Disney Experience app. Uh, something we've referenced numerous times. This is how you're you'll book your fast passes. You want to check wait times. Uh, it, this app has has really uh, changed the game at Disney. Um, they have two little updates they've had one annual pass holders can renew their passes directly from the app uh, and with today's world um you know none of us are annual pass holders but everyone all of us do things on our phone non-stop uh, so that's a, a benefit and then number two anyone who is now on the dining plan will be able to track their meal and snack credits as well as any purchases made directly to your room or your magic band uh pete i know you want to shed some light on how big this is this is huge because previously you really didn't have a way to track your purchases. And coming from somebody that has gotten, you know, that email with seven, eight, nine hundred dollars worth of purchases on a magic band, this is great. It, it it kind of allows you to keep a handle on your spending. Seven to nine hundred dollars when you had your meals included, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. With meals included. Yeah, so that, now we, <laughs> that was we did that's, that's, that's quite impressive. Well, we did buy alcohol on that. We did tip with with the Magic Band. We I did drink around the world souvenirs. So we bought merchandise, so there was a lot that went into that. But yeah, that was seven. I think it was. I think it was closer to eight hundred dollars. It was high sevens with a meal plan. You know, the biggest thing to me is is being able to track your snack credits. Uh, most people have a good grip on their meal credits. You have an idea. You've done. Uh, did I eat today? I think I did. <laughs> right. But your snack credits, uh, Pete and I on our last trip got to the uh, point where we had a ton of them and had to use them. And this would be a good reminder. Yeah, we didn't know what to do with them. Oh, uh, The only thing I would say there is that if you are driving and you have snack credits left over, just go ahead and uh, unload all those snack credits if you can and take them for the car ride back home. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, moving right along, got a little bit of resort news for you. And this one is tough news for some of our uh, uh, real Disney fans to to take. It looks like disposable toiletries are on the way out at Walt Disney World Hotels. Uh, something that, that our family did growing up, and I know a lot of people do. It, it's kind of a tradition. Still have um, some. Right. I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a comment about this because you, it, it, I've let got me, a let closet me you, full of this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and he knows exactly where I'm going with Hey, that. save it. It could be a collector's item. Uh, it, it looks like you know those uh, toiletry items you get in the hotel rooms, the Mickey soap bars, your different shampoo options, uh, will all be on their way out. Uh, it looks like Disney has uh, moved to uh, soap and shampoo dispensers that will be in the bathrooms themselves. 
and refilled by your uh, mousekeeping uh, on your stay. And as you've already heard, both the both of my uh, podcast teammates here are a little frustrated with this. Yeah, I mean, I've got at least five bottles of the blushing orange shampoo in my closet <laughs> that I break out on a special occasion when I when I need to, you know, kind of feel a little Disney. Oh, I mean, growing up, I mean, we always had it for like when we go on trips to take a little bit of the Disney magic with you when you're going to summer camp or something. Yeah, and and if I stay in hotels a good bit, and even just to have the extra stuff laying around the house, if you have guests come over, uh, you, you can give everyone a little Disney magic. Um, we used to raid the mousekeeping carts <laughs> whenever we walked by them. I don't, I don't know that you want to share that. You may get like banned from. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I think it was just Tom. That was when you were much younger. You were like four or five years old. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Long time. Matt, Matt showed me so, how to do it. <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> I, I again plead the fifth here. <laughs> um, although that that uh, that will wrap up our news for the week. Some some big items, some really uh, cool ones, uh, but not a ton of news for this week, guys. Not a ton, but I think, like you said, it's all good stuff. The Fantasmic's a game changer. Absolutely. I do have I do have one other little piece of news, and that is that it looks like the extended hours at. Uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar, have ended. So uh, Animal Kingdom and and specifically Pandora is kind of moving back to a normal schedule. So if you haven't had a chance to go yet, I I don't know what the lines are like at this point. We haven't really been keeping as close watch on it. but Yeah, that was my question. (laughs) I was going to ask you guys. I know you look at it more than I do, what the lines were like. I uh, I looked last week. And both the Navi River Journey and Flight of Passage were both over a hundred minutes, uh, which I think is going to be which is going to be the norm. I think I think that's going to be pretty 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 normal going forward for the next year or so. Yeah, least. until Star Wars Land opens up. I, well, I mean, think so. about it, yeah. I mean, you still have Splash Mountain. When you see that under ninety minutes, probably not too often. So, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if that that stays the norm. And truly, I expect it. Any other news items from uh, from you guys? No, that's it. Um, so with that, we'll we'll move right into our, our main topic for tonight. And as I alluded to previously, we're going to be answering some questions that have been emailed to us that we have either failed to answer or that our podcasts have brought up. So we'll get right to it. Uh, the first question we've got comes from James uh, from South Carolina. And he asks, my wife and I are planning to take our son on his first Disney vacation soon. What do you think the right age is for a child's first trip? Now, I, I know you guys want to talk about this, but I, I think that I'm the most qualified to talk about this. <laughs> Be, because, I can't argue it, man. Because I've, I do have a six-month-old daughter, and... I would like nothing more than to go back to Disney right now, but we're delaying her first trip. So what, what do you guys have to say about that? So my answer is uh, twofold. I think you either go before the child uh, passes their third birthday because the child would be free then. Uh, but if you really want the child to get the most out of it, I think age five is the most magical. Every Disney character is alive and real at this point. Uh, the, there are uh, so many rides geared for children. There's so many activities geared for children. Uh, so my my best age, if I had to, to give come out with it, is age five. So I'm going to venture off a little bit different than you guys have. I know, Pete, like you're planning for your daughter to go, what you said, like when she can remember pretty much, right? Um, and Thomas, you said, you know, when they're free or, you know, around age five, which makes a lot of sense. Um my goddaughter and her family actually went to Disney World for her first trip. And this was probably, I think, two weeks ago. But anyway, um, I'm going I'm to talk selfishly here. They have the cutest pictures and they have like awesome moments that they got to watch their daughter like seeing things at that age. And right now, my goddaughter is, I mean, she's three and a half. So she, they, they had to pay for her, Tom. But at the same time, like the pictures and what they've said, like she she talks about to this day, you know, she still talks about the characters. So she was old enough to to get something from it, 
and um, these these family friends of ours are Disney nuts. So like they have pictures that'll be up in their house forever, and I don't think they would change their trip plans based on you know their experiences. They loved every second of it. Yeah, and there's there's a lot that can be said for that. It's it's very magical when you take a child that young because, as Tom alluded to, it's it's very real for them. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction. I'm a I'm a really selfish person, so. Going with a five-year-old child to me sounds terrible. Wow. Because, because, as we've alluded to in the past, it's a very different trip, right? So you've got to go wait in line to see characters. You've got to wait in line to go on Dumbo. You've got to do all the things that we may not necessarily do when we go to Disney. It, it's just a very different trip. So for me, I'm waiting until my kid's like 12. And see, Pete, I... I doubt that happens, first and foremost. <laughs> um, You're probably right. Oh, I'm 100% right. I will take I'll take the under, if that's the over-under right now, for a lot of money. Um, one other aspect I think you do need to consider, and this was something that um, didn't really affect my family friends that went with our goddaughter, our goddaughter because the grandparents went as well. But if you're going to go just you, your wife, or your husband, and your, your one child— and you wanted to do rides that they can't go on for height reasons, you're going to be doing the pass back and forth where one person stands with your child and goes on the ride by themselves. And then, so you're not going to be able to experience the entire Disney Disney ride experience with your significant other in most cases. Correct. Disney does have a ride swap option that you can use if you do have a child where one parent rides and then they swap and the other parent rides. So they do have that option. But you're right. If, if you want to do that with your significant other, you're not going to be able to do that. So going so back to that, like to answer James' question, I mean, James, if, if, if your parents or your wife's parents are going to go with you, I think that that makes it perfect because you can kind of trade back and forth on responsibilities for not just watching the child because I mean, you, want, you want to watch all your child's Disney moments. But so you can still do things on your own. I think that going just the three of you could be kind of tough at a young age with your child. Unless you've got a wife like mine who doesn't ride any of the thrill rides and I'm riding those alone anyway. And she's staying with the kid. Now, now, <laughs> Pete, would you take advantage of three fast passes and scan all of their bands for you to ride three times un- in a row? He un- uh, <laughs> undoubtedly, he would do that, yes. I'm, I'm not going to say that I haven't done it with two, so... Why would three be any different? Yeah, absolutely, I would. Pete, is there a ride on Disney property that you would not want to do three times in a row with no weight? I don't. I don't think so. Like maybe that. Maybe Dumbo would be the only one that I don't know that I could do three times in a row. But two I times you're all in. I throw up. Probably, probably two times. So. Just to watch the little kids' faces as you go back to back time. Yeah. Well. Anyway, so I, I, we've all got some different opinions on this. Again, you, you kind of want the kid to remember, but there is a certain age where, yeah, maybe they don't remember, but it's still an experience for them. It's still something that, like Matt alluded to, you can take pictures of and you can kind of cherish for the rest of their life. So I don't know that there's an exact right age. It kind of depends on the type of trip that you want and, and what exactly you're looking to experience. It would be a difficult trip. To go at age two or three, though, if, if you were going with you, your wife, and your child. So I'll take the uh, the second listener question for the evening. Uh, Sydney from Texas uh, actually asks, Hey, I'll be in Orlando for a quick weekend trip next month. If you could only do one park while in Orlando, which park would you recommend? I'm going to start. Epcot all the way. Can you give it just some, some reasoning there? Yeah, because it has everything that you would expect from a Disney trip. You've got great food, you've got great drinks, you've got great rides. I, I don't. I I think Epcot is quintessentially Disney. I know you guys are probably going to go Magic Kingdom, but Epcot you avoid the crowds of Magic Kingdom. You know, and you still have a good time, and you still get the Disney experience. Yeah, so I'll go next here, Sydney. Um, I would love for you to write back in and give us a little bit more details about what you enjoy about each park. Or not each park, but what you enjoy in going to a park. Because I think that's going to change what our answers are here. 
If you cop really out. just want to get what's up, cop out, <laughs> cop out, <laughs> say cop out. Well, it's not, it, well, Sydney. I'm sorry if, if you fi- if you find this answer as a cop out, but I, I Matt, do think that Matt, why don't you why don't you just pick a park? There's four of them to choose from. Just pick one. Well, you said I was going to pick Magic Kingdom. I don't want to pick Magic Kingdom, but I'm going to pick Magic Kingdom. <laughs> I think if you're in Disney for for a quick trip, you know, you're going to be in Orlando. Obviously, don't go to Universal. Go to Disney World and go to Magic Kingdom because that, to me, that actually is the quintessential Disney trip. Um, maybe the food isn't as high quality top to bottom, but I think that you can plan around that and you can go see the big the big attractions, the big rides that... You know, you've grown up watching your entire life or seeing, like, your friends take pictures at. I mean, I think Magic Kingdom is the way to go if you have one day. But, Sydney, try and, try and squeeze two days in and then go to Epcot for Pete. I would, I would say unless you want to enjoy your evening meal or, or lunch or whatever, you know, Magic Kingdom leaves a lot to be desired there. Oh, man. So, I guess I, I, I'm uh, last here. So, I, I'm going to – I'm kind. I don't want to cop out here, but – it definitely depends if, if Sydney, I don't, I'm not sure if you've been to Disney. Uh, if you're listening to our podcast, I would maybe imagine you have. Uh, if you've been to Disney, it needs to be Animal Kingdom because you most likely haven't seen, uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar. And there's a, a lot that can, there's a lot that can, can take up your day, um, in Animal Kingdom. There are pretty good food options, actually. Uh, they, they have upped their game with food. Uh, you get to see some animals and, and you'd get to, do something you most likely have never done. Now, if this would be your first Disney trip, I would have to agree with Matt uh, and send you to Magic Kingdom. So hopefully that helps you out. I got one more aspect of this question, and she didn't ask this, but would you guys recommend if she's going to have a nighttime in Disney and say the parks when she's going closes at, close at 9, 10, they're not open till 11 or 12, would you recommend she takes a bus over to downtown Disney and just checks out that for a nightlife? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I mean, it, it couldn't hurt, right? It, it depends on where you're staying. Some of the resorts have some nightlife that is maybe a little bit better than downtown Disney. But it, there's no Pleasure Island anymore, right? So nightlife is, I think I think maybe the boardwalk may be a better option. Than there you go. I'm just trying to throw something else Disney. out there so she can, you know, get more Disney than just one park. Yeah, I would say Jelly Rolls at the boardwalk is... You know, if you're if you're there at night and you're willing to pay a little bit of a cover, that's that's a great option. And and, and you have to enjoy piano bars, which who doesn't? That's yeah, true. if you've ever been to a piano bar, whether you're going to Disney or elsewise, you need to go check out a piano bar. They're a lot of fun. Next question. All right, so I'll take this one. Um, we got Lee in Wisconsin, and he says, "I love the podcast. What made you three decide to start the podcast?" And what have you enjoyed the most and the least so far? I'm going to take the lead on this one uh, because I actually think I was the lead on us starting a podcast. Um, to give you some background, prior to the Mindu Disney trip, we stumbled upon that trip at Matt's uh, Matt's place out of kind of a joke at first, and then it developed into a real trip. Well, we were talking so much about Disney World every single day that it, it came up to us that we might as well try and share our knowledge with, with other folks. So again, at Matt's apartment, Matt was hosting some folks over at his place for I think it was a maybe a, a UFC fight or you had some folks over. And 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 late, you know, after some folks had left, Pete, Matt, and I were, were hanging out and we mentioned to uh, Matt that we were thinking about starting a podcast and, of course, he wanted in. And uh, to give you the background, that's that's how we started and this is where we are today. So and and my wife would get sick of us talking about it because my wife when we were too, planning yeah. when we were planning the Mendu Disney trip, and she still tells me to this day that's all you guys talk about is Disney. So I I think we all kind of figured well, why not take that? Let's get together once a week and let's let's just do it. Let's just talk about Disney. So I think the next part of Lee's question was. What do you enjoy the most and the least? And I'll go ahead and start here, and then we'll work our way back around. But I'm going to start. The thing I enjoy the most about doing this podcast is really just committing to a podcast and actually doing it. You know, it's one thing to have the idea when you're kind of hanging out one night, but to to do it and have as many listeners as we have right now 
it definitely shows me that we're doing something right. And I love it. I love I love you guys commenting on what we say. I love getting together with Thomas and Pete and, you know, making this a part of my week. You know, the the, the thing that's been most enjoyable is is sharing what what we uh, know at Disney from a, a different outlook than the folks that live in Florida and get to go every day. We've had a lot of listeners comment, uh, email, uh, tweet, uh, just really enjoying that we have a different perspective. You know, the perspective that normal people have. They don't get to go to Disney every single month. I also have a uh, a least favorite thing, and that is technical difficulties. We do <laughs> every now and then run into uh, run into some issues, and that can be frustrating. But uh, we're getting better, and, and we appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us and continuing to support us uh, through learning uh, on the fly here. Well, and it's it's hard to get three guys together over the course of a week a lot of the time. So. That's that's a real struggle sometimes, just to pick a pick a night that works for all of us. I I think we're getting better at it, but yeah, that's that's been a real challenge. That's that's probably been the most difficult thing is is just getting a, set up on a schedule and making sure that we're all available to record. I 100% agree with that. I mean, for those of you that have listened for a while, you kind of know that all three of us are at different stages of life. And right now, you know, Pete is married and has a child. I'm newly married and Thomas is about to be married. So we have a lot of things going on. And a lot of times, you know, family commitments come up and the night we planned doesn't necessarily work out. But we, we, we do our best to make it work for you guys. And we really do appreciate all your support. All in all, there's been 1% negative difficulty, that kind of thing, and 99% positive. Yeah, it's, it's great to get together and, and be able to talk about something that uh, we, we all love so much so plus it plus it keeps us from talking about it to our wives and girlfriends and and fiancés and all that <laughs> yeah all that all that good stuff so all right next question is from patty again in south carolina and patty asks in december i'll be going to disney world with my family what do you expect crowds to be like and what should i do to prepare so Great question. Crowd levels at Disney World vary so much depending on when you're there. December is one of those months that is just all over the place with crowd levels. The, the biggest thing that I can say is, is, look, find a crowd calendar online. Determine what the crowd levels are going to be when, when you're there. And pick your parks based on historically what the most crowded parks have been on the days that you're going to be there. And um, so, Patty, you might actually run into Thomas. Thomas, you're going to you're going to be there in December, right? I am, and uh, I'll be there early December. I don't want to give the specific dates, <laughs> but uh, there are there are plenty of crowd calculators. Uh, there, there's a little bit of a a pattern to to what you'll see, and I'm actually pulling up a spreadsheet now to, to look at some of the December dates. But yeah, you, you can actually you can find pretty much. Each day, you'll be able to find a park that uh, historically and in the prediction should have a lower crowd level. December in general is a, is a slower month. Early December, I t- early December is a slow part of December. I, I don't want to uh, underestimate what happens around Christmas and New Year's because that is t- typically one of the busiest parts of the year in Disney. So early December would be a really good time to go. Hopefully your trip falls under that, uh, and I think you're going to have a lot of success with, with crowd levels. So, Tom, real quick, I don't want to stay on this too long, but um, what are some things you're planning to do since you are going to be there in December? Yeah, so our trip, I prepare at an overkill level. Uh, so I actually have broken down each each day uh, and each crowd level per day at each park uh, to determine which park we're going to be going to each day. Um, we will not have the park hopper. We're trying to just save money where we can. And if you can really get your... Uh, res- reservations in line at each park with the the lower crowd level prediction. Uh, that's kind of how I build the trip out. So go ahead and start doing that now, though, right? Like trying to schedule those reservations. Yeah, I did it the the minute that it, it became open uh, for our trip. And if if your trip is going to fall at the end of December, in that Christmas New Year's period, just know that the parks are going to be very crowded. There, it's going to be very crazy attendance year over year is down at Disney World, so it's not going to be as bad as it has been in the past. 
but it's still going to be very full. So if you are going to be there in that Christmas to New Year's time frame, just know that you're going to be limited in what you're able to do. Make sure that you plan very far in advance. You know, as, as far out as you can, make sure you get those fast passes. You know, make sure that they are the things that you want to do the most while you're at Disney World. We, we talk about planning so much on this podcast because it's it's so important. Being spontaneous doesn't work at Disney World, unfortunately. You know, it's it's not like when my brother and I just decided to go to Carowinds the other week. On a whim, you know, we rode whatever we wanted to ride. Disney doesn't work like that. You've got to plan in advance. And and unfortunately for a lot of Florida residents that have annual passes that just decide to go on a Saturday, that, that causes some problems. So the more you can plan and the more you can determine this is what I want to do while I'm there, the better your trip's going to be. I'm excited for you, though. I think it's going to be a great trip. And always, hey, email us if you have any questions. We're happy to help. Our next question comes from Adam. Uh, he says, I've heard there was supposed to be a villain's theme park in Disney World once upon a time. Uh, one, what happened to that idea? And two, do any of you believe it'll actually happen? Uh, I know Matt has uh, did follow that closely when the rumor was swirling, so I'll let him start this one. Yeah, so I think that at, at one point in time, the Imagineers had a great idea for a villain's theme park in Disney World. Um, the first time that I actually heard this as a possible thing was uh, right about the time that Animal Kingdom was coming out. And we kind of heard rumors that Animal Kingdom, the fourth park, was coming to Disney World. And that kind of spurred on a lot of thought that, you know, is Animal Kingdom going to be a villain's park? Is it going to be something else? We didn't really know it was Animal Kingdom then. Um, if you look at Animal Kingdom now, there's, a, there's actually a dragon that's a part of the logo. And a lot of people thought that maybe this was an indication that there would be a villain park coming to, to Disney World. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in the day, the bus drivers used to have a lot of a lot of trivia they would throw out while you were riding from park to park. And one of the times we just heard a bus driver say in passing, oh, there's going to be a villain's park coming. So I definitely think this is a, on the table at one time. Um, I've heard a lot of rumors. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I've heard Imagineers that have retired, you know, talk about what the park would be like. Um, I don't know if it'll ever happen, Adam, but they definitely have the idea for it. And it might be one of those things the Imagineers just dust off, um, dust off and make it make a reality sometime soon. Disney definitely has the land for it. Now, did you you reference um, what would have been Beastly Kingdom there at Animal Kingdom? Yeah, that's where I was going with that. Okay, now that that would have been a separate from the villains park, Beastly Kingdom. Uh, Beastly Kingdom was more of a, a mythical land. Uh, actually, some of the things that they set up and you and, and built for Beastly Kingdom are used in other Disney parks throughout the world. Uh, so, uh, the, the concept behind Animal Kingdom was you'd have the living, so you'd have current animals, and then you'd have. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, on the historical facts, but Beastly Kingdom was going to be like the uh, mythical, the kind of out of this world. Uh, and what's kind of taken the role of that is Pandora, the world of Avatar, uh, from an Animal Kingdom standpoint. I uh, wasn't in the original plans. I think Beastly Kingdom would have been fantastic. Uh, but and I don't think I don't think Dino Land USA was in the original plans either. And I think that kind of took the place of of Beastly Kingdom. Well, from what I've heard about Beastly, Beastly Kingdom and Animal Kingdom specifically, and um, I dig off on a tangent there, guys, I apologize, but you're going to have two options when you walked into the park. You would either go the good, the good direction or the bad direction, and you'd have two ways you could go, and I think that the bad direction was going to have mythical creatures that were evil, that were traditionally bad. The good direction was going to have mythical creatures that were not so evil, that they were considered good, and um, I think it was a really cool concept. Yeah, and that was that was Joe Rohde's uh, baby, and, and he got his his new new baby with Pandora, the World of Avatar, and I think all is all is set up pretty well there in Animal Kingdom. In regards to the Villains Park, I think it would be a fantastic idea. I haven't read anything, or I haven't seen anything recently to to indicate that that is um, you know on the on the on the ledger, so to speak, uh, but. My opinion is I love the idea. What happened? I think Disney just went a different direction. I don't think it was, uh, you know, anything too crazy there. 
Uh, but hopefully it happens. Well, and Matt, you and I went to a Villains Unleashed event at Hollywood Studios. And, and that was, what, that was two years, I think, that they did that and then kind of stopped. So it, it doesn't seem like, it seems like they dropped their focus on, on the villains. Look, Disney's got a lot of great villains. And, and that Villains Unleashed event was, was great. I, I'm not really sure why it, why they stopped doing it. It, I think it was sold out when we went. Oh, it was. It was a really cool. It was a cool event, and um, one of the cool things that you just kind of reference is how many great villains there are. Th- these kind of these kind of ideas come and go with Disney a lot. So I think it'd be a really cool idea. Does it happen anytime soon? Not not with the I don't think so. investment that's been made into Star Wars Land, into the reimagining of Epcot, into Tron coming to Magic Kingdom. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on at the parks right now. I don't see another main gate park being opened anytime soon. So, but it's it's a cool concept and 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 one that look if they ever want to revisit, there's a, there's a whole world that's kind of untapped there for for them to look at. So yeah, moving on to the next question. Thank you for that one, Adam. Um, Tim from Florida, and we know Tim very well. He snuck on here. Um, he asks, when is the next men do Disney trip? February. Hey, is it uh, President's Weekend? President's, President's Day weekend. We're, we're going to be down there. So any anybody else that is going to be in the area, let us know. Hit us up. We'll have a listener meetup. Uh, we won't do anything cool. We'll just say hi, and then maybe we'll ride Space Mountain together. But that's the plan. Well, or if we're in, if we're in Epcot... Um, you're more than welcome to join us around the world. You're more than welcome to buy us a drink. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I think I promised our listeners I would buy them a <laughs> Tipsy Ducks and Love. So, so the, the, that's the plan right now is, is for a February Men Do Disney trip uh, to both Tim and Trent, who were both on the original trip. You are both invited. I know that they're both listeners. So get excited. Have you have you told your wife yet that our next trip is February? Because I have not told my fiance. She's gonna love to hear that. Yeah, no, I haven't haven't let her know yet. But maybe <laughs> maybe this weekend. Just wait, wait until she listens. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll move on quickly from from Tim. Uh, moving on to uh, to Leon. Leon in Georgia uh, has a two part question for us. So obviously you guys love Disney World, but what's your least favorite thing about it? What's your least favorite thing about Disney World? And two, if you could change one thing each, uh, what would that be? Uh, Leon, I can, um, man, we did not rehearse these questions. These are coming on a fly. My, I can start it. My least favorite thing about Disney World, man, uh, what do I just not enjoy? I'm thinking on the fly right now. You're not thinking on the fly very well. Um, no, because I, I, you know what, I, I'll tell you, my least favorite thing is uh, Disney hasn't has failed. I don't want to say failed. Disney is tough to change their ways at times, and sometimes some rides could use updates or some additions uh, on the thrill ride side of things could be added into Disney World, and I think they're they're making strides towards that now. Uh, but I guess that'd be my least favorite thing. That it felt like Universal really hit hit the ground running with some thrill rides, and Disney uh, waited some time to answer. And we'll get to the second part. Uh, we'll get to the second part of the question here in a minute. So my least favorite thing is is the crowds. I on the Mendu Disney trip, we had a Disney Dad walk just to be able to make it to guest services and back. So, and, and it's hard. It's hard to get around the parks with as many people as are in there. Look, I know that's the mark of a successful company. I know that Disney has increased their prices to kind of try to alleviate the crowd levels, but dealing with those crowd levels is hard sometimes. Particularly, I don't I don't know if you guys have ever been, you know, say New Year's or, or during a major holiday. I've been on New Year's Day before to to the Magic or to Epcot, and it's a mess. You, you don't do anything. Not only do you not do anything, you don't move. I got stuck on the bridge from Future World to the World Showcase for an hour and a half and nobody moved because there was there was no place to go. So 
That, that's something that, again, it's the mark of a successful park, but it's something that I that I dislike about Disney World. So shockingly enough, Matt has nothing negative to say about Disney. Um, but but guys, so if if you could change one thing about Disney World, what would it be? Getting to the second part of the question. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, okay, here's my one thing I could change. If I could change one thing about Disney, and, and this is would be tough on the folks working there, I would offer some kind of late nighttime package, uh, a lot of nights in the summer, and then a lot of weekend nights. I personally am a night owl. Um, would love to take advantage of the park. At uh, 2 a.m. or cost. 3 a.m. or something. At 2 a.m., yeah. yeah. yep. Or, or an all-night package. How, how cool would that be to walk out of Disney at, 5 a.m. in the morning. And th- this is very far-fetched and <laughs> not anything I expect to happen. If, if I were to pick one thing to change... No, I, I already, I've already thought about this. I would charge more for tickets and I would include more. And, and that, that serves two purposes. One, one, it gets the crowd down. Two, it stops Disney from nickel and diming you to death. I feel like everything extra that you do costs an extra $10 here, an extra $5 there. We got a uh, we have we we uh, want to introduce we have Steve Jobs on the podcast now. He's taking the <laughs> Apple approach, and he he doesn't want to serve the many. He wants to serve uh, the the folks that could afford a different Disney experience. It well, no, like. and I, why why shouldn't Disney cater to the the people who are willing to pay for it? Right? I mean, you know, this is not something that everybody's entitled to. This is a premium vacation experience. That sounds you got to tread lightly. That sounds okay. Look, <laughs> that's horrible. Look, that sounds elitist, but I mean, Disney already costs $100 a person a day, minimum. Just for a ticket, it's already $100 a person a day. So, you know, you're already kind of catering to a specific type of person. You're already catering to, you know, a, a specific social class. So why not take the Apple approach? The, the only other thing that I'll say real quick is some kind of virtual queue system where you know, kind of like you were alluding to, I think you have a return time for every ride, and what? Well, Dumbo has. I mean, Dumbo has a, a like a, almost like a buzzer system exactly where you can kind of float around and it buzzes you. It's like a reservation at a restaurant when it's your time to go. Exactly. Let's move on to the next question. We traveled too deep into that one. Hey, good question, Leon. Seriously, that was that was a, that one got us thinking. All right. So the next question comes from Elizabeth. And she asks, how far in advance should I book my resort reservations on Disney property? My husband and I hope to be able to go to Disney for the first time together in the next year or so. Tom, I, I know you're in the process of, of booking a Disney trip. What do you have to say about this? Yeah, so this a uh, bit of a loaded question. Uh, definitely depends on which resort you'd want and which time of the year you'd want to go. But let's just, because we've already talked about it, let's use December as a uh, early December as your, as your trip, um, what, what you'd want to do is, I think, at minimum, six to eight months out. Uh, for an example, I can give you, I looked at uh, December dates today, trying to save a little money on our trip. I uh, tried to rebook our reservation. And there are no rooms available at most of the moderate resorts. Uh, so I think if I had to put a number on it, six to eight months uh, at least for your resort reservation, uh, Disney has a cool feature on their website where you can kind of just put money down towards your trip uh, it helps it helps folks afford a Disney vacation. That's a lot to bite off in one swipe, and so maybe each month you can put a little bit down and and chip away at what your what your trip costs. So I think my my number is six to eight months at minimum in advance. I agree, and and the cool thing about that feature is that until you're I think thirty days out from your trip, all your money is refundable. So if if you book a trip and you decide, hey, this date isn't going to work for us for us. And you're still six months out, you know, any money that you've put down towards that trip is is fully refundable. So it, it allows you to reserve that hotel room and to go ahead and get your reservation going without really having any obligation on your part other than, you know, whatever deposit you put down, which I think is $200 at this point. So I, I would say the, the earlier that you can book, the better, you know, the better room selection you're going to have if you really want a room at the Pop Century, if you really want that theme park view at Bay Lake Tower, like, you know, whatever you want, the earlier that you start, the better your selection is going to be. 
Now, Disney comes up with discounts a lot. So, but the the advantage is that you can change your reservation at any time. So, if Disney does come out with a discount and you've got a room booked, you just rebook and you cancel your reservation. We're we're already talking about February going on a trip, and I'm I'm looking at rooms right now, thinking about booking just just to go ahead and get a room locked in. And, and that can always be changed as, as we get a little bit closer to it. He, he knows if he books a room, we'll actually go. <laughs> well, that's true, too. Well, I'll uh, take this to our last question of the night. Uh, and it, it is a good one. And it looks like this person also knows uh, somebody personally on the podcast. Trent asks, Pete, if you had to rank the bathroom bathrooms in Disney World by selection at each park, in what order would you rank them? And to give some background, Trent was also on our Men Do Disney trip. So, okay. I mean, obviously, without a doubt, my number one bathrooms at Disney World is going to be the China Pavilion at Epcot. Like, there's there's no comparison. It's peaceful. Epcot is number one hands down based on, on China. The rest of the bathrooms are nice, but China's got relaxing music playing. It's very peaceful. It's kind of out of the way. It's just a it's just a good wholesome experience, uh, you know. I think my number two bathroom and, and Matt, I, I know that you've used these restrooms is outside of Main Gate at Magic Kingdom. While we've waited for rope drop, you know, I've I've used those a time or two. Generally, you hit them up first thing in the morning, so they're very clean. So I I think that would be my number two restroom. So I would say number three bathroom is probably at Hollywood Studios, right right by Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster, kind of at the end of Sunset Boulevard right there. I don't know why. I just I'm kind of partial to those bathrooms. And then, you know, Animal Kingdom, I don't really have a a specific bathroom that I'm a huge fan of at Animal Kingdom. Um, You know, they're, they're all kind of not memorable. So... That's that's kind of a distant fourth for me. I know this question wasn't directed to me, but not memorable is a good and it's a good thing because yeah. if it's not memorable, it means it wasn't so bad that you couldn't stand being in there. No, no, Disney Disney does a good job with bathrooms in general, um, but you know I, I I don't think anything compares to the China Pavilion bathroom. It just for me that's it's aces. You know the bathroom that that I've hit most often uh, would probably be the ones right over there by Space Mountain. Yeah, yeah, right right, kind of uh, by, Tomorrowland, co- yeah. by Cosmic Rays right there. No, 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 no. The ones tucked there in the corner that are, are kind of near where the uh, the Monsters, Inc. dance party is. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I know what you're talking it's about. It's near Carousel Progress. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm a frequent Disney bathroom visitor as well, so. <laughs> it's important. It's important to know where the good ones are. So. Absolutely. Well, that, that kind of wraps up all of our listener questions for this evening. I, I guess let's go ahead and roll. Tom, you've got a Disney secret for us. I do. And before that, I want to hit a, a little bit of a preview uh, for our next week's episode. Uh, we're, we're pretty excited about this one. Uh, we're we're going to do kind of a uh, Disney World to the Court of Law, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, we'll, we'll play some different roles, prosecuting attorney, defense attorney, and judge. And we're going to tackle some different aspects of, of Disney World. You know, they'll range from maybe ride A versus ride B, restaurant A versus restaurant B, show A versus show B, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it, it'll probably help us make a case for some of the things we've argued in the past and some of the things we're looking forward to in the future. Uh, and and have an unbiased opinion uh, with one of us being the judge and, uh, you know, uh, picking a winner and a loser there. Uh, so anything you guys want us to debate or, or anything you guys have been curious about, send it in to us. We will make arguments. We'll do our research and, and figure out some things. But, um, you know, with that being said, we're going to move right on to the Disney secret of the day. And our Disney secret uh, also <laughs> revolves around one of our news items. Uh, our Disney secret will be around Fantasmic. Uh, so here it is. Fantasmic is a 26-minute show. It's featured almost every night in Disney's Hollywood Studios. The show stage resembles a mountain, surrounded by a moat. The mountain is 57.5 feet tall, making it the fourth highest mountain at Walt Disney World. The moat holds approximately 1.9 million gallons of water. Um, This show features three mist screens, and those mist screens are 50 feet tall and 100 feet wide, 
each using 800 gallons of water per minute. That was mind-boggling to me, uh, being someone who's seen that show quite often, uh, t- to realize they're that big and they run through that much water. I didn't realize that they were that big. That, you know, they're huge. Yeah, they certainly don't seem like it when you're when you're sitting. Hundred feet stands. wide is, is the thing that to, to really wrap your head around. Uh, now I did leave one little bit of Disney secret out there, and we're going to change it up. We're going to we're going to try to do this trivia pretty regularly. We'll have a, a prize awarded and and mailed to uh, the trivia winner each week. And for this week, we're going to stay with the theme of Fantasmic. Again, email us or tweet us your answer. The fastest response or the quickest, most accurate response will I, I think, win. Well, uh, I think if we, I think if we get a bunch of them, we'll randomly select one. Oh, is that what you want to do? Okay. Yeah, let's let's, so, let's plan on that. Uh, <laughs> I spoke out of turn there. I guess we'll randomly select the winner. Do you want to do Twitter and email, or just email? Yeah, let's do Twitter and email. So tweet us. Maybe maybe send us a DM. Or, yeah, how about or that? Yeah, DM us, us on, on Twitter or uh, or email us. Uh, the the Twitter is at Mendu WDW Podcast and the, the uh, email is at Mendu WDW at gmail.com. And so here's your trivia question for a prize, which is uh, a little pack of Disney pins. It'll be five trader pins uh, you can take on your next trip. Uh, the question is what are the shallowest and deepest points of the Phantasmic Lake? What are the shallowest and deepest points of the Phantasmic Lake? I will give you a little hint. It is much shallower than anyone would probably believe. Uh, yeah. So good luck. And you know, and there, there's a there's a full size boat running on this thing. There's a river boat that goes right through it. So, well, good stuff. Well, we look forward to uh, getting y'all's responses to that trivia question. Uh, That's really all we've got for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. As Tom said, look for us on Twitter at MendoWDWPodcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, uh, please tweet us or send us an email at MendoWDW at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast tonight, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing that you have, your time. We'll see you next week. Good night.